Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. As I said a couple moments ago, we will continue to keep you updated, although the roads, at least the main roads, have are, are pretty darn good. Um, power is being restored at its height. I think there were like 130,000 people who had lost power, and now that that's cut in half or more. And I understand if you're one of those people that don't have power, that's small consolation. But it appears that We Energies, once again, is doing a, a pretty darn good job of trying to get out and keep people's power on. And it, it all goes back to what I, I frequently say, which is I, I think collectively in southeastern Wisconsin, we do snow well. A snowstorm like happened last evening would paralyze some places for days. And, and yet, around southeastern Wisconsin, it's going to be business as usual sooner rather than later. And that's that's good news. And we will keep you updated, of course, on, on all those things, which I think are probably the number one concern that everybody has today. Let me start off the program economically with good news bad news Here, here's the good news and connie weber was just alluding to it the um wisconsin center which is the it's the convention center and the convention center has been without a, a name we called it the wisconsin center but there hasn't been a naming rights partner there hasn't been a sponsor like the the baseball stadium was miller park and then it was american family field the uh, convention center has been without a naming rights sponsor since 2013. Matter of fact, I, I had to kind of think back as to what the history was. For years and years, the convention center was the Midwest Expre- the Midwest Center, first Midwest uh, Express, and then the Midwest Airlines Center. And then what happened was around 2000. 10 or 2011 Midwest got taken over by Frontier Airlines and you might not remember this but there was a year or two where it was then the the Frontier you know Airlines Center and then Frontier got taken over by Delta and there was a year I think it was only a year 2013 when uh the, the convention center was the the Delta Airlines Center and then that deal expired it wasn't renewed and so for about the last decade or so there hasn't been a naming rights sponsor well the news today is that you know Baird and Company big investment company downtown homegrown um they're stepping up and they are going to buy the naming rights it's a 15 year agreement um and the Wisconsin Center what we've been referring to that is going to be known as the Baird Center that's going to kick in sometime next year right before the Republican National Convention and it's supposed to run for 15 years they're not saying how much the the naming rights were at, but I will say this back the last time there were naming rights Back when it was Delta and then Frontier and then before that Midwest, I, I the reports I see say that the naming rights back then were worth about five hundred thousand dollars per year. So they're they're not saying because of competitive factors what they're going to end up paying, but it's it's a good chunk of change. 
And so that's good for the convention center. And it's very, very positive that uh, Baird and company is is stepping up. They're entrenched in Milwaukee and they're stepping up and they're kind of putting their money where their collective mouths are with the uh, naming rights. So that's a very, very positive thing. The negative story today is once again, the, the stock market in the tank. And it has to do, again, with with inflation. Dow Jones, as we speak right now, is down about 223 points. The NASDAQ down 142. But even though that's 142 points in the NASDAQ is a 1.2% drop, it's more significant percentage-wise than, than the Dow. And, and what's going on with this? Well, um, first of all, again, we have an economy. There's a jobs report that said that the economy added 311,000 jobs in February. That was more than analysts expected. Now, you might say, Jeff, that's a good thing. Why is there a problem here? Well, it's because the Federal Reserve wants to see the economy slowing down because when more people are working and more people are making money and more people are spending money, well, that means that the cost of things goes up. So inflation goes up, and the Federal Reserve is very, very concerned about inflation. And they're signaling that if inflation, that, that they're prepared to make larger increases in the interest rates that everybody pays in an effort to kind of slow inflation. What, why does that make a difference? Well, without getting too far into the weeds, the idea is if it costs you more money to, let's say, buy a car. Well, because you're going to have to pay more if you're going to finance the car, and instead of paying 2%, you've got to pay 4%. The thinking is that you will be less likely to buy that car, so there won't be as much money going in to buy cars in in this example, and then maybe the price of cars will, will come down, and that applies pretty much across the board. These numbers are suggesting that the economy is still coming in hot, And as a result, the concern is that the Federal Reserve is going to continue or maybe increase the amount of interest that they ultimately end up charging major banks, which then that translates into how much that we end up paying. The other thing that's going on today is um, there it is the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. Um, it's called SVB Bank. It's Silicon Valley Bank, and it, it effectively collapsed today. Second biggest failure in U.S. history. And now the FDIC is going to come in, and they're going to have to try to bail out depositors um, with funds that um, that, that are, are pretty much gone. And what happened to SVB, SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, it, again, it's tied to inflation. This is a bank that catered mainly to startups and the investors that fund them. And so, you know, if I've got an idea, I want to build, you know, I've got Jeff's widgets. This would be the type of bank that you would go to to try to get financing for this. Well, what's happened is, as the Federal Reserve has begun raising rates, startups ended up burning through their deposits faster than expected. 
and new investment had stalled. And what it meant was that fresh money wasn't coming into the bank. And ultimately what happened is the bank didn't have enough money on hand to cover obligations. There was a run on the bank. And it's not just that bank. One of the reasons stocks are down so much today is um, this bank's troubles have dragged down the entire industry. The four largest U.S. banks lost $52 billion in market value yesterday. The broader index of bank stocks had its worst day in nearly three years. And as we speak, bank stocks continue to plunge. Uh, trading in a number of them has even been halted because there's been so much volatility. So at the end of the day, it, again, it all kind of comes back to inflation and trying to keep it under control and kind of another rough day in the market. When we come back, I've got a suggestion. I'm not sure we should ever have to have another snow day for schools. Hear me out. I'll explain and we'll discuss. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Wisconsin. It might be cold and snowy out right now, but trust me, soon it's going to be warming up and you'll need to get your home ready. That's why I'm here for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by Great Midwest Bank. And this week we are brought to you by a wonderful new sponsor, Wisconsin Home Guys. Sell your house in any condition. Get started now at WisconsinHomeGuys.com. It's a great business model. It's also the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase right here on WTMJ. All right. Uh, the Milwaukee Public School System is closed today. Many school districts throughout our area are closed today. My my concept is I'm not sure we should ever have another snow day moving forward. Now, hear me out on this. No, I'm, I'm not advocating that you get the buses out when you've got, you know, a foot of snow that's coming down. No, I mean, it makes complete sense to me that when you're looking at a snowstorm like we are looking at or over the last, you know, 24 hours. No, of course, you, you don't want the kids to have to go out and stand at the bus stop and get on the school buses and all those things? No. I mean, I I understand why under those situations you would physically close the schools. But one of the things that we learned during COVID was the fact that we can work remotely, we can learn remotely, we can have meetings remotely. Now, I understand that remote learning, and I'm going to put that in air quotation marks, remote learning is a poor second to in-person learning for most people. You know, some people will say, oh, my kids thrived in that. But for, for most people, it's, it's, a poor, it's a poor second. But I would argue that remote learning is better than no learning at all. And given the fact that in most of the school districts nowadays, you know, kids are given computers, you know, kids have their laptops, that's how we do it, I would argue that every school district as its plan B to in-person learning, the default position should be, okay, we are going to have remote learning. And the idea is going to be if Again, it's just like what goes on with businesses. You know, when you have when you have a day like today, you know, many, many, many businesses will say to their employees, "Okay, if you can't make it in safely today, well, you can work at home remotely. And these are even businesses that want people to come in. But the plan is, okay, we know you can do it. And and maybe we don't think you can do it as well as if you're in the office. But, you know, work at home. Don't risk things. 
I think that should be, like I say, the plan B for schools all throughout the area. And it should be put in place at the start of school years. The idea that, okay, if we're not able to safely bring people into the schools, we are going to develop a remote learning program. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it essentially the same way we set up the systems to work remotely during COVID. Maybe that means that the teachers come into the school. Maybe it means the teachers are at home and you've got a Teams meeting or whatever. But as a general rule, is there any reason to ever have a snow day? Now, I understand that my idea is not perfect. I understand if you are one of the neighborhoods that lost power, well, obviously the kid's not going to be able to log on if the Internet is down and things like that. But that's the exception to the rule. All right, so clearly you've got an excuse if you can't, you know, if there's no power, you can't get into the computer, the Internet's not working. I get it. But in most situations... Most situations, the kids are going to be home. They're they're probably on the Internet now. They're playing games on their computer or whatever. Is there any reason why we shouldn't have instruction? 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line we discuss in just a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. Oh, by the way, quick programming note. I, I understand snow on the ground, but not in Arizona. And we've got Brewers baseball coming up this afternoon shortly before 3 o'clock. Um, one of our texters says, Jeff, I agree schools should plan and execute virtual learning in place of snow days. Whenever the forecast is for a likely inclement day that could impact school, the teachers should make certain that students take their remote devices home and stand ready for final announcements or whether or not to physically attend or else be ready to learn at home. I, I think that that's, I think that that's great. Um, all right, now a couple people are saying, well, you know, what about the excuses? What about the no power, no internet? Look, I, 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 again, I think that one of the things that's going on is you always, you know, you're always going to have those those exceptions. And and maybe you're going to have the scammers, the people who say, well, I'm not going to participate because I I just, uh, I I didn't have, I lost power, we lost internet, even though that wasn't the case. But that's not going to be the majority of the kids. I mean, you could make that argument pretty much any time. So, you know, I think that this is a, a good option. Jeff, I think you have your snow days. You're talking about parents in a situation of either having to quickly rush and get them to a child care provider or grandparent who might themselves uh, be somebody who works. Well, okay, but the choice is I'm not saying that you close schools willy-nilly. All I'm saying is that if you can't physically get to the school, if the choice is having the kids at home watching cartoons or playing games on the Internet or alternatively, you know, using that, that virtual learning, wouldn't virtual learning be better? And on top of that, 
think this through. Uh, one of our texters just said, "Well, it's, it's only one day. What's the big deal?" Okay, well, today is only one big is only one day, but over the course of a school year, you know, in some cases, in some districts throughout the state, for example, they're already out of snow days. They've already used all their snow days because of what's going on, and so in order to get the required number of hours that they're going to need to get in for instruction, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to extend the school year. So you'll have kids, you know, coming in, I don't know, into mid to late June. And and let's face it, at that time of year, by the time you get to mid to late June, that those those last few days that you have to tack on at the back of the calendar are, are pretty much pretty much useless. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is a perfect idea, but we have learned. There's not a lot of good stuff that came out of the pandemic, let's be honest. But but haven't we learned a few things? And one of those is we, we do have the capability, we do have the technology to do stuff. And, you know, that's one of the idea. Jeff, don't you have any fond memories of snow days? Sure. I have all sorts of fond memories of snow days. But, but that, that, that doesn't mean that that's necessarily something that, oh, because it was a fun day, a snow day, a snow day, and you went out and went sledding. My guess is most of the kids that are home today with their snow days are inside and they're watching TV and they're playing video games and things of the like. My point is, if that's going to be the alternative, given the fact that we have kids struggling to learn how to do basic stuff, wouldn't it be better to have it as an education day instead of yet another day off? That's all I'm saying. Hey, something new to tell you about. For the first time ever, you can catch the Jeff Wagner Show anywhere that you get your podcasts. And I understand that there's lots of people who listen to the program live. Thank you. But I also know that we have a lot of people who check in or maybe you hear an hour of the show, but you want to hear the rest of it. So you want to listen on your own time. And that means podcasts. So what this means now is you can get a podcast of the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, still on WTMJ.com and the WTMJ mobile app. Anywhere podcasts are offered, you can catch my show and you can catch up on all our past segments every hour, commercial free, ready when you want it, rate, subscribe, and always be caught up on everything that we are doing. That is very cool. Okay, so yesterday with a lot of fanfare, the police chief, Jeff Norman, who I, by the way, think is doing a very good job. So I'm a fan of the police chief and the mayor. Cavalier Johnson, who I think the jury is still kind of out on, they have this big press conference where they come out and they they put out a 27-page outline about how they plan to approach violent crime. All right, so I was very intrigued by this because, again, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know we talk a lot about violent crime. A little bit later in the program, we'll be having today's edition of what I call TPT, Tomorrow's Prisoners Today. Um, highlighting some of the crimes in the last couple of days. But so they, they say, okay, this is what we're, we're going to talk about, and this is how we want to approach it. And I was, I was intrigued by this because I, I was thinking, okay, well, well what's, what's going to happen here? Now, a lot of the stuff that they talked about yesterday is kind of recycling things that they have discussed before. But, you know, there are some highlights so, I mean, here, here are the highlights, and this is their idea of trying to reduce violent crime in Milwaukee. First of all, they want to focus on domestic violence. And the police chief says, 
well, you know, we, we've got a problem here with, you know, with, with the domestic violence situation. So what we're going to do is we're going to reassign seven police officers to the department's sensitive crimes unit, which investigates domestic violence. Okay, all right, that's it. Secondly, they're going to bring back last summer's shooting initiative. And this is a plan to add police units in eight neighborhoods to improve response time for alerts from SharpSpotter. That's the technology that involves a citywide system of global positioning sensors, and it detects outdoor gunfire within minutes. So what the idea is we'll have, we'll be more aggressive with this, and the idea is hopefully, you know, when there is a shooting or when there's shots fired, we'll have a more prompt response. All right, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. So, uh, you know, a couple people, more cops concentrating on domestic violence. Oh, okay. Um, bringing back shot spotter to try to improve, again, response time. And then what they describe is hyper-local crime plans. Each of the seven police districts in Milwaukee are in the process of coming up with micro-level crime plans to address issues in certain problem areas. Um, so, for example, downtown on the east side, there's a focus on preventing guns from being stolen out of parked cars. Okay, I might say maybe the broader thing would be preventing the cars from being stolen, but that's not that's me. In the far northwest corner of the city, they want to emphasize better communication with property owners where crime occurs. On the near south side, there's going to be increased bicycle patrols and better training on apprehending violent offenders. Oh, okay, I, I don't have problems with any of these concepts okay more let, let's concentrate on we don't want guns stolen out of cars and you know we want to be able to respond a little bit quicker and we're going to have a couple other people they're going to highlight and work on domestic violence all that stuff is okay with me it, it is my problem though is this all completely misses the point what is is, is the point well the, the point is Okay, look, it, it's it's good if you can have some more cops respond to the domestic violence situation after it's occurred. Got it. it it's great if we can use spot uh, spot uh, shot spotter to get cops there after there's been a shooting quicker. It, it, it's these are all fine ideas, but at the end of the day, none of this deals with the underlying problem of violent crime which is criminals that are out on the street that need to be caught and then prosecuted and then incarcerated. And I guess it was frustrating to me to see that none of the components that were addressed were, okay, what, what we want to do is we want to put pressure on legislature, and we're going to use our bully pulpit to demand that there be longer sentences, to demand that there be um, less frequent use of probation, to demand that uh, the bail system be completely reevaluated. We want to have, again, the bad guys removed from the streets. And I will tell you something. My guess is if you talked and put this proposal to most of the rank-and-file police officers, they would go, yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's that's okay. We don't have any objections to it. But the underlying problem is this does nothing 
to get dangerous, repeat, violent offenders off the streets. You know, maybe you show up at the site of the shooting a few minutes earlier, and maybe that helps you catch somebody, and that's all good. I have no problem with any of these different things. But at the end of the day, doesn't the priority, if we're going to talk about dealing with private with uh, violent crime, doesn't the priority need to be catching prosecuting and then getting these criminals off the street to make everybody else safer. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. What is what is frustrating to me is the unwillingness that I see from elected officials to confront the underlying issue when it comes to violent crime, which is you have dangerous repeat offenders in many cases who are out on the streets undeterred they're not afraid of anything matter of fact uh, listen to our tomorrow's prisoners today segment i've got a classic example of that they're not afraid of being caught they're not afraid of consequences from being caught and they're out there committing crimes over and over again so we roll out this big violence initiative okay we're going to hand put a handful more cops on on domestic violence I i don't have an issue with that and we're going to bring back our shot spotter so we can when we can get reports of shots fired we can get there sooner and then we're going to do community outreach so here's here's some of the community outreach this is what they're including um outreach programs like reach a child a book distribution project, and Atlas One, an app that allows students to report school safety issues, they're going to continue. In addition, the police department plans to distribute community surveys within the next 30 days to gauge a baseline for community sentiment towards public safety priorities and other factors. The results, divided by police district, will contribute to the creation of micro-crime plans with district-specific focuses and partners. Okay, here, look, I, I, we're going to do surveys? Okay, I, I, I can tell you what the surveys should be. We're concerned about people taking guns and sticking them in other people's heads and pulling the trigger. We are concerned about robberies. We are concerned about carjackings. Yeah, it, you don't need to have extensive community outreach surveys to find this. And that's just violent crime. Don't even get me started on the whole idea of, of car thefts and things of the like. Jeff, here's my crime plan. Ten-year mandatory prison for any crime committed while in possession of a gun. No early release. Ten years mandatory prison time for felons in possession of a gun. No early release, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I mean, that's... Wouldn't you just love to see, you know, the mayor, for example, and the police chief, and again, I like Jeff Norman, I, I do, come out and say, look, here, here's part of the frustration. We... We want to work with the community, you know, we want to do these outreach programs and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, the vast majority of violent crimes are being committed by people who it shouldn't be a surprise that they're doing it because they've done it before and they're back out on the streets and they're not held accountable. And priority number one is we are going to work on that. And we are, first of all, we're going to use our bully pulpit and we're going to we're going to call out the judges when they impose ridiculous sentences. We're going to call out the court commissioners when they pose ridiculous bail. We're going to call out the DA's office when they dismiss 
readily provable charges that result in people not being held as accountable as they should be. Jeff, the justice system needs a major overhaul. Maybe we should do a share program where judges from other counties come in and take cases from Milwaukee County. Um, Yes, I think that there's an, that's a factor. Jeff, the initiative sounds more reactive than proactive, as in arresting, prosecuting, and sending criminals to jail. Well, I think there's an element of that. Jeff, my crime plan is simple. It would include more law enforcement, and it would include prosecution. Well, to, to his defense... The mayor, as as part of this, says, "Look, I'm I'm not part of this defund the police crowd, and you know I'm committed to trying to increase the size of the police force." Okay, so that's 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 good, um, that's good. But I think you need a lot more cops on the street, and you need a lot more aggressive prosecution, and you know, never once. Never once in this this press conference, I don't believe, and I'm willing to be corrected, but I don't think I'm wrong, did the whole concept of of broken windows policing come out. What is broken windows? Broken windows is little stuff leads to big stuff. The, The idea that, you know, if you've got people that are committing minor crimes, you need to come in and you need to squash that. Because if you don't stop the minor crimes, well, then they quickly escalate into major crimes. And it's something that I have been a big believer in for years and years, but it's fallen out of favor nowadays because some people say, oh, that leads to over-policing. And, and you know, you, you've got the police that are coming in and they're, they're, they're hassling people for, I, I don't know, driving recklessly and blowing through a red light. And they get pulled over for blowing through a red light. Well, they're just hassling people in the community. Well, okay, pretty soon... You know, they blow through the red light, and then they hit and kill somebody. And, and then we're wondering. Or car theft, a classic example of that. I, I, I guess I am I, – I don't know that the elected class agrees with me on this because you sure wouldn't tell it from their response. But I think car theft's a big deal. I think coming out and finding your car has been stolen and having to go through all that inconvenience of trying to replace it not not to mention that the whole violation of having something of yours taken from you i think that's a big big deal um jeff i think they need to take an intense data approach to this determine where the areas are that have the largest amount of crime redline those areas and double or triple police presence Make a state law that makes gangs domestic terrorist organizations. Provide police with tools and equipment to arrest gang members with a minimum five-year sentence. Let's get real and admit where the crime is and, you know, who it is that are committing those various crimes. Um, yeah. Jeff, this plan lacks the dimension of incapacitation of criminals. They need to be off the streets to incapacitate their ability to harm people. Yeah, I I agree. Wouldn't it be interesting if if as part of this, you you come out and you say, look, we, we know from a map that we know the majority of this type of crime is committed in these areas. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to flood these areas with police. And, and it's going to be a quicker response time, and it's also going to be police presence as a deterrent. But as part of that, once we make these arrests, you know, then we're also going to expect the rest of the system to do its part. We're going to expect the court commissioners not to release people who shouldn't be released on stupid low bails to release them. 
on stupid low bails. And we're going to call them out if they do. And we would present these cases to the district attorney's office. And we've got felons in possession of firearms. And the DA's office decides they don't want to charge these people with that crime. Or they drop this as part of a plea bargain. We're going to call that out. And you carry this through. And part of this does come Again, in the legislature, and I've been talking about this before, I I think the Republicans in the legislature, even so far, even with overwhelming Republican control, I think a lot of the anti-crime stuff you're seeing is really just the tip of the iceberg. We're not talking about mandatory minimum penalties. We're not talking about criminalizing second offense, reckless driving. You know, the legislature needs to get real, give the cops, give the prosecutors meaningful tools to deal with the problems that are going on and then then expect and let's hold people accountable who don't use those tools that we've given them do i have a big beef with this plan no but to me this is this kind of touchy-feely stuff that we've been hearing for years and years and i doubt that it's going to make any significant difference and that's what the problem is it's time for tpt tomorrow's prisoners today Here's Jeff Wagner. This is a feature that we we broke in earlier this week. Candidly, I am frustrated with the high levels of crime, and I, I'm tired of like taking individual cases and saying, "Boy, doesn't this call for mandatory minimum penalties or whatever?" So we're we're sort of consolidating various crimes that are out there because I don't want us to get to a point where we just just ignore them and forget about them because they just sort of blur. So our bronze. Our bronze winner today for tomorrow's prisoners today, this comes from, well, last night, um, the Milwaukee Police Department investigating a shooting um, about 10:15 near 23rd and State. 32-year-old man taken to the hospital. He is expected to survive. A firearm has been recovered. All right, so in the middle of the snowstorm, we've got the shooting. Our bronze medal winner, Milwaukee man, 10th and State which isn't that far from the downtown police station, 2.15 yesterday afternoon, right by the Milwaukee County Courthouse, right by the courthouse. A 28-year-old Milwaukee man was shot around 2.15 and died. He's by the courthouse. 2.15 in the afternoon on a Thursday, you have somebody murdered literally in the shadow of the courthouse. All right. I mean, crime, you think we're getting a handle on crime. But our winner, our gold medal winner today for tomorrow's prisoners today, this is a story. It actually comes from Monday afternoon. And our our friends at Wisconsin right now are the ones that had reported this. What happened was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 2400 block of North Buffum Street, Milwaukee police were recovering a stolen auto. So the police had pulled behind the stolen auto. With, and they were apparently were like waiting for a tow truck to come. All right. While they were waiting, either for the tow truck or the owner, two cars came driving up next to the squad car, one on each side. They drove directly next to the squad car. They pinned the officers in so the cops couldn't open their doors. Someone then got out, ran to the stolen car and restole it. All three cars drove off. Tomorrow's prisoners today, 
all out there. Even when the cops find the stolen car, you've got groups of people that are so unafraid of consequences that they are willing to re-steal the car, literally, while the police are on the scene. Tomorrow's Prisoners Today, that's our gold winner, gold medal winner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Well, life is full of surprises, and I, I mentioned this in the last hour of the program. I thought Brewers baseball started at 2.55, which is when it historically does, but every once in a while, there's an earlier start, so it's 2 o'clock today. So all of a sudden, and as much as I love this job, and I do, and I love the opportunity to talk to you for several hours a day on a regular basis, I'll, I'll, I'll take an extra hour off on Friday. It's kind of like... I don't know, when you wash your blue jeans and then you, you reach in and you find out that you've left some money in there, maybe then you hang them up and you don't go through the pockets and all of a sudden you find like a $20 bill. It's like, oh, this is kind of Christmas came early. And so um, we'll our out time is right around 2 o'clock today. So that means we're going to do Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by our friends at Palermo's Pizza. That'll come up um, at the bottom of this hour. number of people are, are, are texting me after our, our – um, tomorrow's prisoners today segment and the 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 winning criminal activity of the day that this car that was restolen and people are saying that that can't be the case well if you follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 i've got a link to the story here's how wisconsin right now um right now reports this two suspect vehicles boxed in a milwaukee police squad with officers inside and restole a vehicle that police were trying to recover mpd spokesman is confirmed to wisconsin right now that's how brazen and fearless of consequences milwaukee car thieves have become we were told this is wisconsin right now by a source that district five officers were behind a stolen car they recovered while they were waiting either for a tow or the owner two cars came driving up next to the squad one on each side they drove directly next to the squad to pin the officers in from being able to open their doors someone then got out ran to the stolen car and restole it then all three drove cars drove off we asked a Milwaukee police spokesperson if this account was true, and they said it was. Police were recovering a stolen auto that was found on the 2400 block of North Buffum Street on uh, Monday, March 6, 2023, at approximately 1249 p.m. While on the scene, two vehicles intentionally interfered, blocked officers that were in a patrol wagon. An occupant of one of those vehicles entered the stolen auto. All vehicles fled the scene and were not apprehended despite officers' efforts to locate them. Milwaukee police continue to seek the unknown suspects. I I mean, you know, if you if you saw this on the Andy Griffith show and Barney Fife, you wouldn't necessarily this this is exactly something that you would see there. But it's not so much I guess the criticism of of the police here, but it does reflect just the complete and total brazenness of criminals that their cops are sitting there behind a stolen car. You block both doors. Somebody re-steals the car and then everybody takes off. Do you think we do not have a problem with car theft in this community? That's the story. And if you want to see it again, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got a link to the story from Wisconsin right now. Okay. Let's let's lighten it up. Um, 
If you follow me again on Twitter, there'll be a couple postings. There's there's a signal and a sign that maybe prosecutors in New York are getting ready to charge Donald Trump. If they do, they'll, they'll never secure a conviction. I'll send out a tweet on that. And maybe we'll talk about it a little bit on Monday. But I do want to. I want to lighten things up for the this hour of the program as we lead into the weekend. I was telling the story a while back. I um, I went to see a band that I had never seen before, and it was like it was like one of these sort of regional bands. And I actually liked their music. And at the end of the show, they said, "Okay, well, if anybody's interested here, we've got we've got CDs for sale." And I thought, "Huh." You know, this is, I might be interested in spending 20 bucks. I wanted to support the band. I like the music. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go buy a CD. And then it occurred to me, I don't have any way to play CDs anymore. I, I, I don't. Um, all, all the computers I have no longer have that, that drive in them where you could put the CD in. I, if I had a CD player at some point in time, I, I don't know where it is. It's it's not hooked up anymore, and none of my vehicles have CD players in them. I, it's just, I, I if I was going to drop the twenty bucks, it would have just been purely a gift because I, I have no way to to play these CDs. And so, unfortunately, the 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 band didn't get my money. I was thinking about this because there's a story in the Wall Street Journal today. Vinyl records, you know, the things that a lot of us grew up with, whether it was the, the, the actual things that they call the albums that would come in the album covers with the album art, the 33 and a third records and things like that. Well, they've been making a little bit of a comeback, and I know that there's some record stores around there that are kind of highlighting those, and I understand that there's audio files that are all about this. But, but here's the deal. Last year... For the first time since 1987, so what's that? The first time in 36 years, vinyl albums outsold CDs. Um, That's according to the Recording Industry Association of America. About 41 million vinyl albums were sold in 2022, compared with about 33 million CDs. So not only did vinyl albums outsell CDs, they, they crushed, you know, CDs. They absolutely crushed CDs, and it's the first time, like I say, in 37 years. Revenue from vinyl records rose 17% to over $1.2 billion last year, the 16th straight year of growth for the format, but interestingly, merely double what it was two years ago. Um, vinyl albums accounted for 71% of the physical format revenue, which includes items like CDs, cassettes, and DVDs. So uh, if if you're looking at, again, not stuff that's streamed, if you're looking for cassettes and CDs and 8-tracks or whatever else it might be, vinyl records are, are really driving the, the sales. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. The numbers show that vinyl is making a resurgence, but I don't want us to talk about vinyl necessarily. We've discussed that before. Are CDs dead? Are CDs dead? And does anybody still listen to music via CD? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Like I say, I, I, 
I couldn't if I wanted to because, I mean, could I? I think, you know, somewhere I've got, you know, one of those those hard disk things where you could take it out, you could plug it into your computer, and then you could have that, that drive. So I'm theori- CD-ROM drives. Theoretically, I have something like that that I could find, but I don't use that a- at all anymore. And, yeah, I've got boxes of CDs down in the basement, but... I don't I don't think they're going anywhere but goodwill anytime soon. 855-616-1620. Are CDs dead? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. We've touched a nerve with this. Um, for the first time in 37 years, the number of vinyl records sold outpaced significantly the number of CDs that, that were sold. I was just saying, I don't... I, yeah, somebody, a couple people are texting in saying, you know, if you've got a Blu-ray disc player at home, which I have, but I don't use that that much, you know, you, you can play that. But, yeah, I mean, so I guess I, I could, but it's just so much easier to say, you know, uh, Alexa, play whatever, 855-616-1620. Jeff, the only time I listen to CDs are in my vehicle coming home from work after second shift. Um, in the last several years, I've been replacing old albums with new albums and collecting albums that I uh, do not have. I love sitting in my man cave and spinning records. There's nothing like it. Uh, let's uh, talk to Phil in Stevens Point. Phil, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Well, well, thank you for the call. I, I really don't think CDs are dead. They are kind of nice. Like, well, in older cars, now, of course, they don't put them in new ones. But the reason why I think vinyl is coming back is because you got a true um, spectrum of sound from 20 hertz to 20,000 kilohertz. I used to build, um, I used to build like hi-fi systems, speaker systems. And um, the thing is, with, with the record, you get your full spectrum. And like, if you listen to like your older like classic rock or your, um, your classic country or classical or even jazz, you hear like the high end of the cymbals. Always with the zeros and ones and digital, you get like this clicking effect sometimes, yeah. and that, that tends to be a problem. It's kind of like yeah, a no, Phil, thank, sound. No, a lot right, of right, no, people, Phil, thanks for the call. I'm sorry, I want to get to a lot. We had a lot of calls. I want, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the advantage that CDs had over albums is the convenience factor. I mean, you you know, you you could take them, you'd have the CD players in your car. I think from a sound perspective, you're, you're right. I mean, true audiophiles prefer vinyl. Um, I, some people are saying the new cars come with CD players. I, uh, the, the, the cars I have purchased don't, I mean, I, I just, I, I just, I mean, I'm trying to think, um, I don't remember the last car I had that had a CD player that was in it. 855-616-1620. Are they dead? Dennis in West Dallas. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Well, thanks for taking my call today. I don't think they're dead. Okay. I, I had a, an interesting, uh, experience earlier this week where my my dvd player had had died on me and i, I needed to get a new one or, or a used one at least and i i went to a resale shop where they sell music you know and, and stuff and um they they don't sell dvds any longer but they do sell cds which i thought okay. was really interesting <laughs> okay <laughs> and the fact of the matter is i i would prefer to have you know the the thing in my hand, and I do have CD players in the car, and then also at home still. So, you know, from my own personal okay. experience and perspective, I I enjoy the DVD, the CD still. So yeah, well, good. Thanks for calling that. You know, and look, and I see, I understand. I mean, years ago, o- over the process, what I did is I I 
I took a lot of my DV, DVDs, uh, CDs, that is, most of them, and I, I convert them through iTunes. So now I have the, these libraries on iTunes where I have all that music that I can now access. Again, it's a little bit trickier transferring this stuff, but I can access. I, I, can, I took the time to, like, re, to convert all my CDs just because, again, it's so much more convenient to have them on your phone or have them on your you know, iPod or things like that. Um, let's talk to Vincent in Lannan. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, no, I don't think CDs are dead. Uh, at, at, at the fact that I think what's old is new again, just like the uh, nostalgic uh, thing of the records, I have records as well, you know, from the from the past that I, I have a record player and I have a five uh, CD changer uh, as well, and I play them both. And so, no, I don't think you're it's not going to And the point is that you're records, not going to Vincent, Vincent, you're not going to tell me you've got an eight track player or anything, right? <laughs> Okay. No, but I know somebody okay. that does. But, okay. but the point is, I think the problem with the problem with records has always been the wear pattern. The fact mm-hmm. is, they scratch, they, they yeah, scratch, they and then they get this, they, they warp, and everything else is the, is the wearing of them. So that's always been a problem that that you really don't have with CDs. And so, yeah, I think uh, people will go through this through this nostalgic part of uh, having records, but I think uh, CDs still will come back. Okay, well, thanks for calling. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I I am old enough to remember when you know. First of all, you, you had the the eight track tapes, and I, I understand there, some of you might be if you're younger than whatever you might be hearing. What is this eight track tape thing the guy speaks of? Well, you just look it up on Wikipedia. But there were the eight track tapes, and there were the cassette players, and you know, you. I mean, I knew people in high school. Their their stereo system, you know, probably cost more than their used car did. And then you know, it graduated from that to to see. CDs, and then you know now everything is streaming. A lot of people want to weigh in on this. I again, I, I, I mean, I, I have no preference. If I just, I was shocked. I guess I was shocked, not necessarily that vinyl is making as much of a comeback, but I was a little bit surprised that vinyl was making such a comeback that it was dwarfing CDs in sales. But again, at least for me, um, I just, I. Other than yes, if I if I, I I have a Blu-ray disc player, I rarely use that. And if I was going to use it, I probably wouldn't use it on the CDs. It's just easier because like my streaming services are hooked up all throughout the house, so I, I don't do that. But some of you still do. Um, I will tell you, everything old is new again. We'll see if CDs make a comeback. Something new to tell you about for the first time ever. You can catch the Jeff Wagner Show anywhere you get your podcasts. That means Apple Podcasts. It means Spotify. And, of course, we're still on WTMJ.com and the WTMJ mobile app. We're not on CDs, though. Anywhere podcasts are offered, though, you can catch my program and catch up on all past segments every hour, commercial-free, ready when you want it, rate, subscribe, and always be caught up on everything that we are doing. Okay, so we, we've got uh, an early out to the program today. Brewers baseball kicks off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break for news. We're going to come back. We're going to set up Pop Culture Corner. We are going to do Pop Culture Corner, brought to you by Palermo's Pizza, a little bit early today, and we'll have some time for calls. It's going to be a fun one today. There's something. I was tempted to do music because of the Bruce Springsteen concert, but we did concerts and music last week, so there's something else big at least big in the minds of some people, that is happening this weekend. That is going to inform Pop Culture Corner. It's Pop Culture Time. 
Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talk and text line. And as always, Pop Culture Corner presented by our friends at Palermo's Pizza. One caller will win our Palermo's Pizza prize package. Uh, today's topic, in, in recognition of the 95th Academy Awards, they're going to be on Sunday night. The Oscar goes to your best picture of all time. Uh, let me share a couple before we go to the phone lines. Lawrence of Arabia, for me, hands down. <laughs> That's from Jim in Milwaukee. I, I, I love Lawrence of Arabia. And, and it was Peter O'Toole's first role. Just incredible. Uh, Jim says, big chill. It's like Friends, but in a movie format. I, a big chill. Uh, the performances are great. Uh, and the, the soundtrack, my goodness. Uh, Jeff, for me, it's Bullet with Steve McQueen. Yes, yeah, Steve McQueen and Robert Vaughn, who went on to be the man from Uncle. Uh, Jeff, Forrest Gump. You know, it, it's funny. People either love Forrest Gump or or they don't. But if you love Forrest Gump, you think it is the greatest thing since canned beer. Jeff, for me, it's The Departed. That was uh, Martin Scorsese's movie that it did win the Oscar. I actually think a couple of his might have been better. A couple people mentioning Fiddler on the Roof. Just love it. And, of course, the... Uh, uh, the, the guy um, who starred in Fiddler on the Roof, whose name is escaping me right at the moment, just passed away earlier this week. Jeff, for me, it's True Grit, the original. John Wayne, Kim Darby, Glenn Campbell, best movie of all times in capital letters. Jeff, can the movie be X-rated? Well, Midnight Cowboy was X-rated, but if you mean like hard X-rated, probably no. If not, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Paul Newman, Robert Redford, uh, just absolutely outstanding. Jeff, for me, it would be Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford. I just, it, it's a popcorn book. I, it, it took me a day to read it. It was called The Way They Were. It's a book about the making of the movie The Way They Were with Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. And it's it, it's sort of, it, it, it's interesting. It's a quick, uh, it's a quick read. 855-616-1620. Best movie. The Oscar goes to Mike and Menominee Falls. Mike, the Oscar goes to what? Hey, Jeff. Uh, for me, from a modern perspective, I would say the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Granted, only the Return of the King actually got best picture. But when you talk about a film that was popular and millions and millions of people love it, to me, that was the one that really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I sat through lots of torturous best pictures, including Gandhi <laughs> and the English Patient. And I was like, well, how English does patient. win best picture? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The English, or Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> I, that was it. Kramer versus yeah, Kramer. Oh, yeah. and everybody was loving that. And to me, that was like a movie of the week. I'm not saying it was bad, but it was like, this is best picture. No, uh, thanks for calling, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. The, the thing about Lord of the Rings, too, is that there's you had millions of people who had read the book and books and, and had their image of what middle earth looked like and things like that and i think i don't think people were disappointed and, and that's that's tough when you have a book that everybody's read and everybody knows and loves let's talk to doug and muskego doug you're on wtmj hey jeff hey for Hi, me doug. uh i believe it would be schindler's list mm-hmm. you know it's a very it's, provocative movie you know Oh, it, it is. No, Doug, thanks for the call. And I, I mean, yeah, Schindler's List, my problem with it, yeah, it, it is incredibly, incredibly well done. I just, it's, it, it, it's just hard to watch. And, and I guess 
that's it's just hard to watch, but very, very well done. And I, I actually I, I do watch it on multiple occasions because it just brings home just how horrible that that was and 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 Oscar Schindler while a flawed guy you know what what a hero he was in certain respects Anne in Mequon Anne you're on WTMJ good afternoon Hi Jeff it's got to be Bridge on the Roof Kwai Um Alec Guinness in maybe his his greatest role ever um William oh, Holden so as well that confrontation between him and the Japanese general or uh, Saito is just magnificent. I, you know, it's and I, it's funny you should mention Bridge on the River Kwai because I, I, a lot of times when I'm making my like best picture lists, I forget about that. But every time it's on, I, I watch it and I just I, I'm, I'm mesmerized. It's like a three hour movie, if not more. But it just it, it holds yeah. my attention, even though I know how it's going to turn out. And then you whistle for a week afterwards. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th- thanks for calling. I'm going to pass on the on the whistling, but yeah, I I I've got that. Um, let's talk to let's see, Al in Green Bay. Al, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I have been a longtime fan of On Golden Pond because of the tremendous acting, and for a couple people, like Fonda was his last picture, and he did an outstanding job. So, yeah, that's mine. Yeah. No, no, thanks to call, Al. You know, the thing about On Golden Pond is, um, of course, it starred um, Henry Fonda and Jane Fonda, and it's it was sort of interesting because you got the idea that the father-daughter thing in the movie was, at least in some respects, maybe a little bit similar to the, the father-daughter relationship in, in real life, and that was kind of like playing out, sort of like, I, I don't think it's, it, it won Best Picture, but I don't think it's the, I I thought it was another movie that maybe was a little bit overrated, was um, uh, the um, with Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, you know, their, their last movie together, and again, you just had the, the same the same idea that what's going on is that you know there Spencer Tracy died a, a little bit after after the making of that movie and it was the whole situation where you kind of got the idea that when he was giving his speech at the end and things like that he was kind of talking to Katherine Hepburn Curtis and Marinette Curtis you're on WTMJ Hi Jeff my Hi. my movie is my cousin Vinny Oh so with Joe Pesci, those- Pesci yeah Yes, one of those early 1990s movies, just great humor. I can picture several of the different scenes throughout the movie, um, you know, just from the beginning of when he steals the can of tuna to oh, yeah. you know, when 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 Vince goes and he meets the boys in prison for the first time, and then oh, the yeah. bathroom scene with him versus Tommy where they're talking about the faucet handle being broken, right. and she and, actually and, won the, uh, yeah, know, won the yeah. Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, and it was just like, that's just that's my go-to when right. anyone says, what's your favorite movie? Works for me. Thanks for the call, Curtis. Yeah, and Fred Gwynn, who played Herman Munster, the, you know, Utes. Utes? What are Utes? Todd in Watertown. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Todd, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for taking the call. What a fantastic subject. Thanks. Hey, uh, my hit is uh, The Outlaw Josie Wales. I've watched it, uh, uh, gosh, I don't even know how many times, but every time it's on it, and it's like I can quote, you know, so many of the, the things, and it's, and it's a longer movie, but it just right. keeps 
it, it's such a a, a cool storyline. Oh, you know, the guy uh, yep. uh, Joseph Wales gets his family killed by uh, you know the, right. the Union Army, the Red Legs, and uh, uh, they're yep. pretty brutal and. And it just goes on and on, and it's just, uh, it's, it's, I love history it's great. and kind of the Civil War stuff, but it's Well, well Todd, I, I agree with you. And, you know, it, it is, Todd, I, and I agree with you, and even though it's not my call, obviously my producer Charlie does as well, so you are the winner of our Palermo's Pizza prize package for today for Clint Eastwood and the outlaw Josie Whale. So thanks for participating. I, I love that. That's, you know, um, and you're right, there's so many great lines that are in that, you know, dying ain't no way of living, boy, or things like that. Uh, let me see, we're just getting swamped. The, the, the Catherine... I, Hepper and Spencer Tracy movie I was think, trying to think of was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which also won the Academy Award with Sidney Poitier. Um, I just, I it, it was a very personal one. Let's see. Um, Rocky, number of people are mentioning Rocky. You, you can't go wrong with that. Number of people are mentioning Shawshank Redemption, which, of course, is an outstanding film as well. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, yeah, Anthony Hopkins' performance as Hannibal Lecter is one of it's one of the great performances of all time. And you know the thing about that movie, if you ever see Silence of the Lambs, is Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Lecter, is only in like seven or eight scenes. He's he's only in a handful of scenes. But um, you know when you think about that, that's the one. That, that everybody thinks of. Jeff, for me, the best movie, Out of Africa. Mm-hmm. Number of people, Sound of Music. Sound of Music is another one of those movies that, while it was made in a different time, I, I think it, it's timeless. And maybe it's just, you know, the, the performance of Julie Andrews, and maybe it's the story. Um, people just absolutely love it. Lorian Fond du Lac says, Going My Way, you know, with, with Bing Crosby. Yeah, that's that's clearly one that's just, um, I mean, it makes you feel really good. Jeff, for me, it's In the Heat of the Night with Sidney Portier and Rod Steiger. Um, that, 1967, I think, off the top of my head. And that was, that was one that... Um, uh, again, you know, w- was up when they were looking at the Academy Awards. There were a lot of incredible movies that year, and that that's another one that I think really stands the test of time. A couple people are mentioning The Big Chill, and then, then okay, I mean, if I were going to put together a, a, a list, I'll, I'll give you a, a couple. The Godfather just got done. Matter of fact, reading a book called um, "Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli." It's it's a behind the scenes making of the movie The Godfather, and it's a fun book. But if you like that movie and you like The Godfather, I I highly recommend it. I think I kind of burned through it really quickly. Godfather Two is good. Godfather Three not so much. But uh, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, making of The Godfather, uh, very very good. Um, if you want an older film from my perspective, I, I'm a huge Humphrey Bogart fan, and to me, Casablanca is another one of those. It's, it's another one of those movies that I, I never get tired of. Then we've got uh, Cool Hand Luke. I would put that on my list as well. Cool Hand Luke, um, I think that and The Verdict and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid were three of Paul Newman's just greatest movies. In any event, we're just getting swamped with, with different people who have the different theories. You know, here's the thing. I hope whatever movie wins the Oscars this year is going to be an, a movie that is memorable so that you know people can be talking about that on some radio show 25 years later saying, boy, I remember that. I really relate to that. Um, 
don't know. Okay, that music means I'm pretty much out of time. Brewers baseball is coming up. Have a great weekend. I am back 12 noon tomorrow, on Monday, when we do this all again. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.